You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. The Indians lose a 2-0 heartbreaker to the... Yeah, no one really cares about that, let's be honest. The big news is the Trevor Bauer trade. Um, there is a lot to unpack and digest on this trade, so we are going to make it the entire focus of the show. As the trade broke, I was in the middle of interviewing the AA Akron manager. I have some great audio clips for the podcast, talking to Adam Scott and uh, uh, Rudy O'Doer and uh, Kyle Nelson, but uh, sometimes fate doesn't align with you, and it's the one night uh, in the last few weeks that I was out at this time of night. So yeah, here we go. The Indian traded Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is an occasionally brilliant, often controversial figure who is known for picking fights on Twitter, uh, a strong sense of his own song, strong sense of his own. You know, he has his beliefs, he does his approaches, uh, and I would argue inconsistent performances. His season last year was amazing. He was phenomenal as a starter. It was the best of his career. This year, uh, you know, I mentioned that he gave up more home runs by May than he had all last season. Uh, it, and I talked about in the preseason that it was kind of fluky how low his home run had been the previous year, how he had gone from one of the highest to the lowest. Uh, this year, the home run rate is through the roof. And that's been part of his problem. He just he hasn't been as effective this year. Bauer has just not been as good. And as an Indians fan, I mean, you could listen to the podcast and know I've been kind of tempering what we are going to get for him because his value has gone down um, since the start of the year. I am surprised by how good this return is, though. I'll be honest. So the Reds get Trevor Bauer. As you know, stayed on the podcast last night, they weren't going to trade him in the American League. They weren't going to trade him to the Yankees. On top of the Yankee system not being good, uh, they were never going to trade him to the Yankees unless the Yankees did an extremely massive overpay. They traded Bauer to a National League team, and the big loser in this trade is Trevor Bauer. Uh, he goes from a team that's you know near the top of the wild at the top of the wild card race, has been to the playoffs three straight years in a row, to go to a team that has picked in the top ten for a long time. Uh, there's a GM there who is desperate to save his job, and he has made a few terrible trades uh, trying to do that, starting with the uh, the deal that. Originally ended him, Yasiel Puig, along with uh, Alex Wood, and Wood has not done anything this year. And on top of that, the Reds have had really good pitching this year. Um, It's not fantastic. uh, It's not top, but it's been their bats that have betrayed them. So you're trying to make the playoffs as a sub-500 team. Your biggest issue is your offense, so let's trade our best offensive player of late to get another pitcher. It's... it's nonsensical, but that is everything with the Reds. Even their drafts have been focused on these guys can move quickly. These guys are finished products. And that's what we're seeing here again. Uh, the Reds get Bauer. He goes into a rotation uh, where he is arguably the number two. I mean, look at how well Luis Castillo has pitched this year. Uh, maybe Bauer helps him like he's helped a lot of young pitchers. That's what I'm going to miss most about Bauer is the impact he had on guys like Clevenger and even Plesak have talked about. I think uh, Trevor Bauer, if he wants to, when he is done, could have a long career as a pitching coach. So many guys, especially younger guys, just he is great at picking out and helping them. Not always the best at doing that for himself, but he can see it in others. And the Reds get a pitcher who can be one of the best in baseball, but is just maddeningly inconsistent. Um, one great year and a lot of 
years that were 80% great, 20% bad. Uh, you know, he had the, the big kind of meltdown where he threw a ball into center field. It was way overblown, but that's not so much, uh, you know, it didn't end up affecting his value. Again, I don't see what the Reds are doing. I don't understand what the Reds are doing. Trading Puig makes sense because he's going to be a free agent. Trading Tanner Rourke makes sense for those same reasons. Getting a guy who you get a year and a half of who is likely going to get up to about $18 million in arbitration. I mean, he's gonna, he would have been the highest paid player on the Indians if the Indians had kept Bauer. So you get a guy who causes a lot of headaches. You're getting for a year and a half and has to be paid a lot of money and has been really inconsistent. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're the Reds, the idea here is, well, we're going to lose Puig anyway, so we'll trade him. And we gave up one prospect, Taylor Trammell. Now that is their current number one prospect, I would think, uh, listed in most places. You know, he's a left field, right field, center field, uh, an extreme athlete, basically. Uh, he's having a down year. His value is considered to be down across the board. He's still like a top 40, top 50 prospect and could be the highest rated prospect traded at the deadline this year. Um, I'm always a bit concerned when a team is relentlessly dangling a specific player, and we've heard Tramiel's name since the offseason when the Reds were trying to get Bauer, and we do see how the cost of Bauer has changed because in the offseason, Tramiel, uh plus you know the perceived value of a rental of Puig, that was not what the Indians wanted. So they came back, and because especially because Tramiel's value is down right now. So... They put this deal together, Bauer's value's down, Tramiel's value's down, and it's the deal that I have been talking about, you know, on this podcast for a long time, and it's the three-teamer. This is what I said would make the most sense when I talked about uh, how Philadelphia, for instance, could get Bauer, or how other teams could get Bauer. It's the Indians trade him to one team, then use those prospects to get more players. The Reds had the advantage of also having a player who could help the Indians now, in Puig, and I'll get into the fits of these players in the second half of the podcast. So you get Cincinnati gets a, a pitching upgrade. Uh, he can replace Tanner Rourke for them, and because I mean Rourke will likely still be traded because he's a rental. And I mean it's not a bad pitching rotation. Luis Castillo has been fantastic. Sonny Gray has pitched quite well for them. Uh, Anthony De Scalafini, good. You know, a back end guy, but he's doing his job there. Tyler Molly went healthy. You're kind of seeing some of that. Um, again, he'll slot in. The bullpen is is quite strong. Uh, I'll be curious to see basically what do the Reds do now? You know, they, they've talked that they would trade uh, their closer. There was talk they would trade some of the un- other relievers in this system. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know, Derek Dietrich was a great story, but boy, has he fallen off. Uh, Senzel's played well in his call-up. Winkler's played well. Suarez. Uh, Jose Iglesias is another free agent to be. Jose Perezia, not so great. Joey Votto, getting old. Uh, You know, they need help. And their best hitter this year, or or their best hitter over the last month or so, has been Yasiel Puig, and they're, they're without him. And this has been their bigger problem, is offense and pitching. So we'll see what happens. They're an interesting team to watch. Um... We'll see what they go from there. The Padres I'm a little surprised by, uh, just in terms of return. I get them adding prospects right now. Um, If we just go and look at the Fangraphs board, uh, 
Uh, Taylor Trammell is currently rated the 32nd best prospect in baseball. Logan Allen, the 111th. Quick math, quick math. That's what, 79 spots difference? Did I do it right? Um, so that, I mean, that's a big gap. Don't get me wrong. But then the Indians also get Fran Mill Reyes. Um, I'll get more into Logan Allen in a bit. And I'll get into Fran Mill Reyes in a bit. And I'll get into all those pieces in the second half of the show. We'll kind of dig into the players the Indians acquired and how this affects the lineup. But the Indians are able to then take Trammell and essentially talk to the Reds to flip him for a, a near-ready pitcher who has pitched in the majors this year, who's a left-hander, and an outfielder who is a, a behemoth, uh, who fits perfectly in their window. Uh, he looks like he could play defensive end for the Browns in his spare time. But the Indians made a really interesting trade, and again, I don't think it can get any better. I feel like the Padres uh, got a bit of a light return, but the big thing is if you look at the rumored Thor deals, it is talked about Man- uh, Manny Margot or a center fielder is kind of the centerpiece. Trammell may not stay here. He could end up going to the Mets. Or Trammell is the replacement if they do move Margot in a bigger deal. This just sets up for the Thor deal. So remember, while this feels late now, you're getting a top 30 prospect for their fourth best pitching prospect, their fifth best pitching prospect. And it's a team that is overloaded with outfielders. I love Fran Mill. But the Reds had, or the Reds, the uh, the Padres had too many outfielders, and they did not have enough spaces for spaces. Did not have enough space for them. Uh, Fran Mills mostly played right. Hunter Renfro has 29 home runs this year, uh, 122 OPS plus. Uh, Will Myers is making a lot of money. He's been not great, but you know he's got to play somewhere. Uh, Manny Margot has been getting better and better. Francisco Mejia, I believe, has spent some time outfield, center uh, outfield, and catcher. Josh Naylor spent some time in the outfield. He's ready to go. They have all these pieces. Franchi Cordero, when he's healthy, is someone that fans are really high on. Uh, they have all of these outfielders, so they traded an outfielder. They traded the worst defender of the group. Um, they traded, but the one who has a lot of control. He's he's a great fit for the Indians. So the Padres trade from a position of strength. They trade one of their many outfielders, and they trade one of their lower-down pitching prospects, and they get a top a guy who was a top-20 prospect at the start of the year, uh, a high-ceiling prospect. So they kind of traded two pieces to get a more valuable piece. The question, again, becomes at this point, and the thing I would watch for is the Thor trade. If Thor, if uh, Syndergaard gets traded to the Padres— either Margot could go in that one or even Trammell. This could help them in that trade and just keep that in mind that this trade could just be set up for another trade for them. So, um, yeah, you know, the Padres took a bit of a roll of the dice, but they went for upside. The Indians got better. Uh, The Reds, I just, I don't know what they're doing other than it is a very, very clear case of a general manager who is trying to save his job after a team has been horrible and yes i know that uh nick crawl is was only recently appointed but i'm talking about the whole structure that kind of went in place with walt jockety in 2016 since that 2016 uh time that that this current base has come in uh you know they won 68 games 68 games 67 games and they currently are at 49 games uh it's not been good uh or the 2014 is when they started 76. So right now 76 is your high watermark during this current 
you know, it's like right now the Indians, uh, uh, their uh, Antonetti is is not the GM anymore, but it's still kind of he is the guy at the top, and you have your structure. That's what it is in St. Louis when the Walt Jockety Dick Williams group came in in 20, uh, 2014, I believe. And I mean, you can really go back to twenty thirteen when they won ninety games and lost in the uh, the wild card. And since then, it's just been a disaster. There's no nice way to put it. They've been consistently uh, fourth or fifth in their division during that time. Uh, fifth most years. Right now, they are fourth, which is would tie them for the second best run since 2014. So it feels this everything that's happening to me right now just it stinks of a leadership trying to uh, assure themselves a strong enough finish to to keep their jobs. It just the whole. Uh, there's been so little redeeming value and this Reds team constantly tries to buy in that they're uh you know that they're gonna win and they're they're just not so I think the Reds are the big losers here okay our sponsor on today's show is bluechew.com they were our first sponsor and because of that I will always love them bluechew.com it's the same active ingredients uh as Viagra and Cialis but since it's chewable it'll get in your bloodstream quicker and uh, we all know what you use it for. I don't need to uh, to go into details. But BlueChew.com, you go there, use the promo code locked on, And this is a chance, I always tell people, to sate your curiosity. I'm a man in my 30s, and I've been hearing about these pills since I was a teenager. If you've ever been curious, it gets discreetly mailed to your door. No, no fuss, no muss. It's just five bucks. You go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code locked on. Uh, it helps us because you use our sponsor, and it could help you as well. And again, it's five bucks. It's a cup of coffee. You can sate your curiosity. Bluechew.com promo code locked on. The uh, the other sponsor or the other thing we want to talk about is Locked On NBA. Uh, this whole podcast network started with the NBA, so now we have NBA player and Locked On podcast analyst Trevor Booker joined the Monday Locked On NBA, and he broke down deals left out left one team out as a title contender that will surprise you and is high on one more on one team more than the others in the West. You can get it all on the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, sorry for butchering that read, but you get a chance to hear what Trevor Booker thinks. That's pretty cool. So I know what you're thinking. So you talked about the deal at length. You spent a lot of time uh, trashing the Reds. What? How does this help the Indians? Tell me about these players. Uh, I was getting flooded with questions about that. A lot of people wanted Domingo Santana for a few years now. Fran Mil Reyes is a better version of Domingo Santana. He has more power potential. He's locked up longer. And he's been more consistent. Uh, last year in 87 games, to be exact, he had a 129 WRC+. If you're a first-time listener, that is a metric that is just kind of correlates all the runs you produce. So we're going to take everything and spit out a number. 100 is average. 129 is fantastic. His value this year through 98 games, he's down to a 116. So it's down a bit, but again, it's still a really good uh, number. If you were to put him on the Indians, he would be below Santana, Lindor, Jordan Luplo, and above everyone else. The only other players on the Indians above 100 are Naquin, Mercado, and Perez right now. And he would be, you know, amongst guys we're going to play every day, he would be third on the team. I mentioned how he's built like a defensive end. Six foot five, two seventy-five. Yes, you heard that right. Six foot five, two seventy-five. 
he has uh let's see home runs this year i'm taking a second i apologize he has 27 so he is you know on pace to break 30 home runs in his uh first complete season now he will strike out a lot and he will uh you know he's going to be a low average guy but that's you know domingo santana he has that st- the high strikeout rate. He does walk 8% of the time, which is really solid for where he is. There's just a lot of things to love in Fran Mill Reyes. I want to, I have to, have to pull up the uh, baseball savant number. This is where Reyes really shines. Uh, exit velocity, you ready? 95th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 93rd percentile. Uh, weight, expected weighted on base average, 90th percentile. Expected slugging, 96th percentile. Expected batting average, 75th percentile. Where he's not good is sprint speed, 44th percentile. Outfielder jump, 20th percentile. Outs above average, 25th percentile. He is not good in the field. He is not good as a defender. But we're an American League team. He is tailor-made for the DH. Uh, you put him back there and you just let him rip. Uh, I mean, he's, he's someone who could hit 35 home runs. Maybe be a 40 home run guy. Uh, you know, he is just 24 years of age. And the Indians have him under control for a long time. He cannot be a free agent until 2025. That's right. He has, amongst his current core, it's like him and Shane Bieber are on the same timeline. He is with the Indians until 2024, as long as he keeps performing. So you're getting a guy who helps now... And helps a ton down the road. And if you go look him up, yeah, his baseball reference war is a point four. That's all because his defense is terrible. So if we get rid of that component, his offensive war is a 1.4. He's going to be like a three-war player just offensively. Uh, and that's what you love. I mean, he is just a big, strong guy who is going to be a perfect four or five hitter. Um, you're getting him to help now because he improves that DH position. And he's also... You know, he helps you. He helps that current window. That whole idea of trying to keep that window open—that's Reyes. So, should we talk about Yasiel Puig next and save the third piece, uh, Logan Allen, for last? I know you can't answer me, but I'm going to take that as a yes. Yasiel Puig. The numbers this year, um, not up across the board like some of the other players we've talked about, but he's one of those guys since June has really started performing. His numbers over the last you know two months have been quite good. He's kind of in that uh, him and Jose Ramirez, I guess, are, are the people we want to talk about for their performance. So uh, as we're going down here, it, you know, it's I'm looking at a monthly one right now, and just by batting average, this kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. March and April, 192. May, 245. June, 287. July 306. Uh, June and July, he's got 12 home runs. He had 10 through the first, uh, you know, two and a half months. So June and July, a lot like Jose Ramirez, he's really picked it up. He's really hitting a lot more uh, with a lot more authority. He's doing a lot of things a lot better. Uh, if you're like, oh, I don't, those numbers don't mean that much. Give me some advanced ones. Uh, as I go down, you know, his. His ISO, the isolated power, May 162, or March, April 162, May 184, June 322, July 247. So, 
his WRC plus by month, March, April, 43, May, 88, 139 in June, 131 in July. Again, if we look at someone hitting in the 130s for that, and you want to know how that would compare, uh, Carlos Santana has a 139, uh, Lindor's is a 122. So over the last two months, Puig has been uh, in fuego. You bring him in, and you put him in one of the corner outfield spots. He has the arm for right field, but you could also consider putting him in left. He's not been great in the field this year, to be honest. But, And he's mostly been a right fielder, but, I, I mean, he'll be fine. And the corner outfield spots when you face a, a right-hander with Puig and uh, Naquin, that is some guns in your corner spots. Those guys can really throw it. This sets up the Indians uh, specifically. Puig holds on to one of those corner outfield spots. Uh, Naquin Luplo becomes a pure platoon, and both of those guys have been great this year. You know, I mentioned that they're like fourth, third, and fourth, or fifth, Gosh, uh, they are yeah third and fourth on the team in uh, runs created. And now they're just going to get to face what they face the best. So you're basically turning them into a near all-star by just letting them platoon. Naquin face righties, Leplo face lefties. That one spot, you're getting top-shelf production. Mercado, since he's been called up, really strong production. You put Puig in the other side where he has been one of the best hitters in baseball. That outfield, think about the beginning of the year outfield. Uh, don't because it'll make you sad. This outfield is quite amazing. Now you got Fran Mill at DH. Bowers uh, probably gets sent down. So a bad day for anyone named Bauer or Bowers. Uh, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm slightly nervous that like they'll still hit Kipnis for. I mean, right now you look at this lineup. Let's say you know trying to keep it mostly the way it is. It should really be you know Lindor, Mercado, Santana. Puig, then Franmel, then your uh, Luplo Naquin platoon, or Jose Ramirez at six. Maybe we put Jose Ramirez at six because he's hitting, uh, which is awesome that you could put him there because he's hitting. And you could always you know move him up if he keeps it going. But let's put him at six. Seven is Luplo and Naquin, who we've already talked about, has been so good this year. Eight, Roberto Perez, who has been uh he has a 101 wrc plus he's a plus defender who's hitting offensively as well he's been a great catcher this year uh and he's hitting eighth he murders left-handers this lineup is going to be fun uh and then ninth kipnis i mean kipnis should be ninth he is the worst hitter by far on this team but he can also still run a little bit he just he should be in the ninth hole uh i hope they put him in the ninth hole it's what makes sense kipnis at nine Okay, now the final piece for the Indians is Logan Allen. Logan Allen is a left-handed pitcher who has been traded for the third time. Uh, Every single time he's been part of a a trade for an all-star pitcher. He came over from the Red Sox for Craig Craig Kimbrell. And he's always been doubted because he's he's an undersized, well, he's up to 6'3". I swear when he was in high school, he was like six feet even. Uh, And that's what I'm remembering him as. He was an eighth-round pick. By the Red Sox, he was really well thought of. He's only 22 years old. Um, he's moved steadily through the minors. This is his second year uh, pitching in AAA. He also had uh, four starts and four relief appearances for the Padres. His problem there was he wasn't missing a ton of bats. 
his walk rate was over four, which again, he's a 22, 22 year old kid making his first debut. That doesn't bother me. I love the ground ball rate, uh, the home run on fly ball rate, and the minors has been really good. You go through and he has all the makings of a really safe number four starter. And he has all the stuff that the Indians love. Uh, he has a killer change, which I don't think it's quite as good as Eli Morgan, but they could have a change-up contest in the minors to see which one's better. He has well-developed secondary offerings on top of that change. Uh, curveball, fastball. He's he's likely a three or four. Uh, the Indians have had some luck getting more out of arms. We'll see what they do. But, uh, you know, it, you go over to Fangraphs, and one of the articles there is, you know, Logan Allen and his inner bulldog are poised for a Padres debut by David Loria. And... You know, people talk about loving that bulldog mentality of someone like Logan Allen, and that's something I've heard about him dating back to when he was a, a high school prospect. You know, he was just optioned back down to AAA uh, a few days ago. We'll see what the Indians do if they call him up and give him some starts. Uh, you know, just in terms of the Indians pitching staff, Trevor Bauer, honestly, was their third best pitcher this year. Shane Bieber and a healthy Clevenger were better. Um, you got Plesak. And he got Plutko. Danny Salazar is going to make his debut on Thursday for this season. He's going to start with Plutko piggybacking. We'll see how that goes. Kluber is nearing return. Um, you now have Logan Allen who has pitched in the majors this year. And I think that's a big part of this trade is they get someone who can fill in if they need it. Uh, he still has some developing. He's still incredibly young. But they got an interesting left-handed pitcher. And go through all those names I mentioned on the Indian starters. Okay. None are left-handed. Let's go through their top pitching prospects. Tristan McKenzie, not left-handed. Um, Ethan Hankins, not left-handed. Lenny Torres, not left-handed. Daniel Espino. You get the point. They don't have left-handed starting pitching in this minors. The minors are pretty barren for that for the Indians. And it's they haven't had one in the majors since Scott Casimir that I can think of. So uh, adding a left-handed pitcher... Uh, sorry, I got scared there when I was looking at it. It's bats right throws left and I was like wait did I have this wrong but I'm like no he's always been a lefty uh inner monologue on the mic they get a left-handed pitcher who profiles as a back end arm they've done really well with guys like this so we'll see what happens if they kind of see something the Indians record when acquiring pitching is fantastic they can scout arms that are in other teams minors like nobody else um they consistently make these trades where you're like oh wow now the the next curious question with all of this as an Indians fan you know we talked about the lineup we talked about how they'll make up for it for pitching they're gonna have to make some moves uh the 40 man is going to be interesting to see uh they can transfer Carlos Carrasco over to the 60 man disabled list that'll open up one spot trading Bauer opens up one spot all three of these players have to be added to the 40 man uh the question then becomes do you transfer Carlos Mejia over to the 60-day. He's not pitching the rest of this year, uh, Jean-Carlos Mejia. But he, you know, his, it, I feel like his value is down. Uh, I don't know if they would consider taking him off waivers. Someone like Eric Stemetz, I believe, is still on the 40-man. They're going to have to, someone is going to have to be exposed to waivers at this point. That's kind of the under-the-radar thing with this deal. But I love it. As an Indians fan, as someone who evaluates scouts, I think... This is phenomenal. They they trade a guy who had a year and a half left, who, again, drove me nuts with his inconsistencies. 
uh, had one great year and a lot of good years, but just one outstanding year. And they trade that year and a half of him and a contract that is going to, his arbitration is going to be a huge number. So they get, they trade that and they get a good rental outfielder who can help them. They get a DH for the next five years who has already proven himself at the major league level. Um, And they get a pitcher who, I mean, everyone I talk to thinks he's going to be, you know, a 10-year pitcher in the majors as a back-end lefty. That's phenomenal. Look at what the Blue Jays got for Stroman. Uh, I would rather have Logan Allen than Anthony Kay any day of the week. Simon Woods Richardson or Fran Mill Reyes, that's not even a contest. And the Indians got Puig. So kudos to the front office. Uh, hats off. I think they did utterly phenomenal in this deal. I still feel like maybe there's a piece or two missing that we'll find out about later. And I'm kind of waiting on that to see. Uh, maybe I'll have to do an addendum at the end of this podcast. But wow, what a trade. What a day. Uh Thank you all for listening. Thank you to the new listeners. I'm sure we will have a few uh, to on this one because it's such a big deal, such a big news. Indians, A-plus on this deal. I am through the roof. I am ecstatic. This has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports and the Lockdown Podcast Network. And as always, go Tribe. Huh. Hey, yeah, I know that's where I normally uh, sign off, but you'll notice that we are going to keep going because after I recorded uh, the podcast and got ready to upload it, I then got questions about Victor Nova and Scott Moss. So the Indians are getting five players, uh, which is otherworldly just to begin with. I've already talked about the other three. Victor Nova is a 19-year-old kid in the Arizona League. This There isn't a whole lot out there on him. He's an outfielder. He's undersized. Um but he has put up phenomenal numbers. Uh, he had like an 18-game hitting streak, and a, I think I saw like a 19-game RBI streak. Uh, he is crushing the ball in the rookie league. Uh, this is his second time down there. He is only 19 years of age. He won't be 20 until January. He's a lottery ticket. Again, he's undersized, but he has been awesome, and he's already someone who walked his first season 21% of the time this year, 13% of the time. Uh, his one runs created plus 105 last year, 136 this year. The Indians saw him in Arizona. I'm sure when the uh, Padres and Indians faced each other, he's a lotto ticket. He's again, he's small, but he's performing and has been quite good. Scott Moss was a reliever at Florida, and the Reds drafted him and made him a starter. That might seem a little interesting, but Florida has so many pitchers that often is the case that some relievers there. Uh, are better than some starters at other schools. Dane Dunning, who is a really good prospect for the White Sox, was mostly a reliever in college at Florida. Scott Moss, uh, they've had him go very slowly through the minors. Uh, Rookie ball, then A ball, then high A, and he's in double A this year. Uh, The ERA, you look at it and you're like, oh, he's, you know, he's okay. But, you know, it's a 3.44. His FIP is a 3.52, which is what I'm looking at. That's the important number. Don't look at ERA. His FIP in the minors has been uh, a st- uh, pretty solid. He's missed bats. Uh, he's striking out nearly 11 in inning. Up until this year, his walk rate had been just about 3. This year, it jumped to 5. Uh, low home run rate. He's another left-handed starter. Um the Indians would have to add him to their Rule 5 at the end of this season. 
if they do want to keep him because left-handed pitcher who's striking out a lot of guys, he would be selected. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind of that. So he's someone the Indians are going to take. You know, if they're adding him now, they like him enough. He's someone you're expected to see on the 40-man, which means you could potentially see him in Cleveland this year. I would not be surprised at all if they moved him back to the pen and let him go there. Uh, Again, they don't have... I mean, there's Kyle Nelson in terms of left-hand relievers, but they don't have a lot of lefties. He's a guy who's going to have to be caught up sooner than later, but he's a potential back-end left-hander who they get multiple years of control of. It's crazy they're getting him as well. Uh, He would probably slot into my top 30 Indians prospects, if I'm being honest. Uh, My general rule is on uh, Victor Nova is I, I don't put guys that far down in just because I don't trust rookie ball stuff. But Moss is another really interesting arm, already in double-A. I assume he'll be going to Akron, and I'll be curious to see what, uh, if he becomes a starter, how they handle it. But five players for Trevor Bauer? Holy moly. Uh, I never in a million years thought that. And all five are interesting. It's, you know, a kid who's tearing up rookie ball, uh, a walking behemoth, uh, one of the more colorful players in baseball who's been on fire for a month. A crafty lefty who is ready to pitch now, and another lefty who strikes out a lot of guys, and you know they just get to sit back and see if he can turn into anything. So what a return! Uh, I know this podcast went long, but uh, yeah, uh, there was just so much to talk about. Thank you.